0: As I welcome in Jared Whateley, good morning. Uh, were you pleasantly surprised about how good that series was, particularly the last couple of test matches?
1: Jules, hello. Yes, definitely. And I think Pakistan win a lot of admiration for that, associated frustration as well because they were terribly close. I think everybody held the same fears going into this summer that it would be terribly lopsided and not very eventful. That certainly wasn't the case. Uh, through the first three tests. Uh, it was a big margin in Perth, but Pakistan played some good cricket. They learnt a lot from that, and they were ever so close at the MCG around the dropped catches, which have been well documented. And they, they had a good dip at Australia in Sydney. Is they, they had the best of the conditions batting first and didn't quite make the most of it. But that's sort of the, the, the whole purpose of Test Cricket is to test it over a period of time, and usually a team's... Foibles will bubble to the surface and, and they were there. They were just there enough. The, the dropped catch of Marsh on seven, the, the couple of batting collapses that they had at the top and in the middle. So, yeah, Australia got a, a thorough workout to get the wins that they need. Is Keep in mind that these wins at home are absolutely essential to, for, to give yourself a chance of, of defending the World Championship, Mace.
0: Is there... I mean, we won the series uh, 3-0. We're number one in the world in test cricket. We're going beautifully. But uh, just one century uh, in the series for Australia, David Warner in that first test. Uh, Travis Head really struggled to make any runs. It looks hard work for Steve Smith at the moment. Is there any little concerns about, I guess, the the combined effort of the batting group at the moment?
1: Yeah, that's not the best that Australia can play, for sure and certain. I think you would be anticipating a century, a test match, and perhaps a little bit beyond that on home shores, so that these weren't complete uh, performances by any measures, and I think those within the team would know that. In sport, all there is to do is win, and there are a couple of players who absolutely shouldered the load for Australia to make that possible, and none more so than the captain, but against better quality or better credentialed opposition with more experience on these shores, is that's not going to get it done. So, yeah, is, I don't think... You know, I sort of felt like in the aftermath of Melbourne when Australia had won, there was this surge. Well, this is one of the greatest teams ever. I don't feel like these performances were part of that, is their accomplishments last year were excellent. There'll be greater challenges ahead. But in sport, there's there's winning and losing. And in cricket, there's the draw thrown in as well. And Australia won when it needed to. But there's not many of those batters who would feel that their game is exactly where they would like it to be.
0: Good finish for David Warner. Uh, played a really good innings in that uh, short run trace, which, which looked tricky on paper. You you were there for the farewell. How did it feel Compared to some of the other farewells we've seen in Australian cricket, you know, going back to that day at the SCG in 2007 when we farewelled Warne, McGrath, Hayden and, and Langer and, you know, Ricky Ponting's farewell in Perth and some of the other big farewells in Australian cricket. Did it have that special feel around it, even though it w- was with a character that is clearly a, a divisive one?
1: it was orchestrated to be all-encompassing and it gave the test match its purpose and there was a glow to it certainly and the the crowds made that so as there was uh, for those in sydney who turned out there was no question why they were there and it was lovely at the end that could have been a tricky run chase and warner made absolute light of it and that helped emphasize what Australia is going to miss. I would think because hearts have hardened across the years. Uh, I would think those who have taken a set against Warner might have felt that it was over the top. Uh, otherwise, it's a it's a dead rubber. So I totally understand how it was pitched the way that it was. The sentiment towards the end, the the way that he battered. Uh, I do think if you if there's you can go the full journey back. And it is, it's a complicated legacy that he does leave, Mm. but I think he has been faultless since he returned to the team from his suspension from the, the sandpaper incident. And then there was just the question of whether Australia should have moved forward or whether it indulged in the past and, and Warner paid his way in this series with the, with the only century of it. And then uh, there at the end. So it was a lovely farewell for him. I feel like most would have enjoyed that glow I reckon some players would feel like that's not for them um, for it to be so over the top. But I thought Robert Craddock made a good point. It, maybe it was the week that Test Cricket in Australia needed. It helped emphasise that what happens in the long form of the game creates a legend and a legacy and that we should take a moment for those who have played well beyond 100 tests uh, to to give them the wave on the way out. Uh, and Warner got it like few others through circumstance have, have ever enjoyed it.
0: It's been a long talking point who's going to replace David Water, but it is going to come to a head. Do we know exactly when the team will be, the squad will be announced for this series against the West Indies?
1: Uh, In a few days' time, I would think. uh, They have, it was eight days between tests, and they won't gather in Adelaide until probably three beforehand. So I would imagine, uh, without having checked, I would imagine probably Wednesday. But that won't be the answer unless they tip their hand because they will pick. Uh, Green will obviously be part of that squad and the next batter will be an opener. So whoever, and and it feels like Harris, so he's been a member of these squads pretty consistently. I I would absolutely expect that he's named in that squad and then that the announcement might come once they all gather in Adelaide. So I'd... I wouldn't feel confident that the announcement of the squad gives us the answer Mm. that everybody's waiting on.
0: What was your reaction when you heard that Steve Smith went public with his want to open the batting?
1: I think that's so interesting is Pete Lawler floated that at tea on day one and like inception it was an idea that just grew and grew and now we find out that Smith's been lobbying behind the scenes. So just the quick the quick recap of how this has been unfolding. It was like every name had been floated as a possibility. So Marsh had been floated heavily early and heads already done it. Labashain was the most nimble solution moving from three to first. There was a school thought that Carey should as well, but Smith was never part of that conversation publicly. And then it turns out that's what's going on privately. But my view is once he's told the selectors and the coach, behind closed doors that not only is he willing to do it, but he would really like to open. I feel like that's the solution. You can you can invent something or you can... I'm not sure you can ask players to reluctantly do it if they are of a mind to play the six best batters, and that brings Green in rather than one of the specialist openers. Um, Smith's stepping forward to do it, particularly at this moment in his career where he's not the fluent batter that he has been... Uh, at his most productive, he speaks of the challenge of it. There's no question that he could do it, and he could probably do it better than anybody else in the lineup. It, it feels like it feels like it's answered itself with Smith stepping forward, and it'll be so interesting to see if that's the view of the selectors.
0: Is it what I was going to ask you in two parts? But I think you sort of you've answered the question there, Jared. But we'll go for, so for Steve Smith's next, you know, the the end of his career. I guess is this the move he needs? to get back to his absolute best.
1: It feels like it could be. It might be the challenge that absolutely piques his interest. So he's in a bit of a rut at the moment. And you can see that in the way that he's batting and you can see it in his demeanor. I think he's wrestling with his game constantly while he's there. He has succeeded previously as Robert Craddock's documented so well today is whenever early wickets have fallen and he's been straight at the crease, he's been excellent. The average is more than a hundred in that scenario. Um, Technically, he can absolutely do it. The new ball offers no real threat to him. So if he wants to, I feel like it's sort of self-evident is he thinks that's, that's one more mountain to conquer for him. And above all else, is he's a problem solver. He's always tinkering with his game. So if it, if it appeals to his mind, uh, absolutely. And really, is if you go through the credentials of each of the others... Uh, Smith is better credentialed than anyone else to go and do it it's just you have to contemplate the team dynamic so what does it do to three four five mm. which historically is the engine room
0: but you think it might be the best for the team
1: I, I do is um, <laughs> green green's such an interesting batter uh, he's actually better suited to four than six. So he's not the explosive hitter that Mitch Marsh is at six. Um, and whether he bats well with the tail, I think, is an open question. He has been successful in his shield cricket at four. And I think Greg Chappell was the first to thrust him forward. He thrust him forward as a top-order batter, not, not even as an all-rounder. So, yeah, I can see the balance of the team making perfect sense. As long as Green steps in and make runs. So four's a high bar. You can't be a, an every now and then player no. at four. You have to bed into your test career. He's served a long apprenticeship. Australia has invested so much in him. Um, it, it, it Honestly, it feels just like an elegant solution. And you get... So you get a four-test run at it. Australia will... and. A, I don't want to be rude here. Australia will do as it pleases mm. against the West Indies. So it's a good time to give it a dry run to see what it does to the chemistry. And then you've got two tricky tests in New Zealand, which are likely to be green tops. And if you want to get through the new ball, Steve Smith is more likely to get you through the new ball than anyone else coming up as, the makeshift, uh, as a makeshift opener. So I feel like you get a four-test run at it, gather your evidence and go, okay, so do we want to do that against India in November. that That's sort of why I feel like they'll do it.
0: You mentioned before you think Marcus Harris will be named in the squad as well. Why should Harris be in the squad ahead of Bancroft?
1: Um, pecking order is really the only reason I would say that. And and so Ben Horne's so well plugged into these things. As he wrote during the Sydney test that that's the pecking order. So if you go through the three... Renshaw has most recently played test cricket but bizarrely they chose him as a middle order mm. batter. He is he has the best record in test cricket of the three. Cam Bancroft has the best record in shield cricket uh, over the past couple of years, but Harris has been sort of the more regular member of the squad as the backup batter and the and the next opener. I feel like Harris has the qualities that Warners just departed with, not to the same extent but he would be a complimentary batter to Usman Khawaja over the last year or two of his career. So Harris was part of the Ashes. Cricket defaults to pecking order more often than not, and in the pecking order, he's been above the other two more recently. So, yeah, I don't really wash my opinion through that. That, That's just sort of reading the knowledge that's been garnered around the team and, and the way these things typically tend to work.
0: Just one aspect out of the last test match, Jared. It's, it's not nothing new, Marnus Labashane and Steve Smith taking a while to get off the field after they're dismissed. But it seemed to to raise the ire of a few during this test match. Knowing Andrew McDonald like you do, would, would he notice that feedback? Would that be something that he would have a word to those two guys about? Or is it a bit of a storm in a teacup?
1: Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know the answer to that, Jules, is um, cricket... Coaching and footy coaching are different. So, in a footy circumstance, that would absolutely be dealt with by the coach. It's not quite how cricket works. Is it? Is something for Labuschagne and Smith to recognise? I, I I don't think they've ever recognised it. It's not a new phenomenon, and sometimes it's uh, it it really is quite um, strange the way that they hang around. As most batters choose their moment of dismissal to get off as quickly as possible. Um, and they do linger and they ponder and, and they let you know their, um, their frustrations at their dismissal and how unlucky they were or how they got something wrong. They, they, they would have done well years ago to recognise this and to tuck the bat under the arm and depart. And they would do well to take that as a, as a bit of feedback out of the test match. It's not, a, um, it's not a federal case, but everybody else manages just to leave. Um, so perhaps they should take their cues and, and depart as well.
0: So we're going to have a new opening bat for this series against the West Indies. Given there's a, a bit of time between now and the next Test match and it's only a two-match series, there's, there's really no chance, is there, unless there's an injury, there'll be any change to the bowling attack? There's not going to be anyone that needs a rest?
1: It's, it's actually quite a good question. Um, so that's three in a row with two and two. So I don't think the, the four... Frontline bowlers would play all seven tests of the summer. That would be highly unusual. Uh, they came into the summer having played, what is it, 25 times together and have now added to that. I think there is a possibility that Boland and Lance Morris get a look at the West Indies tests. Um, so that's some of that will be in the planning that's happening behind the scenes and some of that will be in the... Uh, in the analysis of workloads over a long period of time and knowing what's coming next. It's clear talking to them all that Stark, Hazelwood and Lyon don't give up their place in the team lightly and you can totally understand that. But Australia's got to make sure that that front line attack is is absolutely ready and at its peak for the two New Zealand games. Personally, I would like to see um, Boland play in... Adelaide and Morris play in Brisbane and give a breather to Stark in one and Hazelwood in the other. Now the oddity is the pink balls actually Brisbane rather than Adelaide. So yes. The team can, I'll take my guidance from the team as to which they think each bowler is best suited to, but I would actually like to see, that done. And then Hazelwood, Stark, Cummins and Lyon are our four for the two New Zealand tests. I I do think there's an opportunity to do that. Boland is there, ready to go. We know how accomplished he is. If Stark were to miss a test match, Morris has been pinged as the like-for-like replacement. I think there's an opportunity to do that. I personally hope they do. But that's not to, to, to diminish the the players that are that are the incumbents.
0: Before we wrap up, Gerald, I've got to ask you the big story of the day. We woke up this morning and oh, we read yeah. that Sam Kerr's done an ACL, which means Olympics highly, highly unlikely. Your immediate reaction?
1: It's devastating for her and for the team and their their chances. And we're all so invested in the Matildas at the moment. I, I think the cruellest aspect to it is is in the very peak of Kerr's career, she had this period of time Mm. where a World Cup on home soil followed by an Olympics and she's been denied a fair run at both of those it was so unfortunate the the calf injury, and I still don't think we've even vaguely heard the real story in behind that. So disruptive and limits her to minutes. She has one signature moment in the semi final, and then that parlay's into the the Olympics, which we, she now won't get a, a run at. It's worth sort of recapping her place. She is the number one sporting figure in Australia, and has been since Ash Barty retired, and she's not getting a a fair run at the at the peak years of her career in the national sh- shirt. It's such a shame Australia has a bit of work to do still to qualify for the Olympics. Yep. And should they get there, along with the Boomers, they'll be the, the two most watched teams. Um, their chances are clearly diminished in her absence. The team has learnt to play without her through the World Cup, but we can't... It's pointless pretending it's the same threat without her. So uh, I feel desperately for her... Uh, it's it's grossly unlucky for the team, and as an, an Australian sporting public, we're all shortchanged by it.
0: Actually, one more before I let you go. Speaking of uh, getting to the bottom of a story, will we ever get to the bottom of what happened with David Warner's baggy green? <laughs> uh,
1: my, my, I'm running the theory that <laughs> if he just stayed off Instagram for half an hour longer, that would have all resolved privately. <laughs> So we'll get to it when Pete Lawler writes his book in the near Uh. future. We might get to it in the next week. I suspect there's a funny side to it. There will definitely be an embarrassing side to it because it became a nationwide issue and search. Um, There will be a degree of silliness involved in it. And I did like the sentiment around there's the mum search and there's the man search. (laughs) It feels like the man search was done and we went to Instagram. And then when the mum search was done, we found Uh. the gap.
0: The old boy look, hey, yeah. I think that might have been Dave Water. Jared, as always, thanks for your time. Uh, enjoy this rather miserable Melbourne day, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> Well, like I was well, in Sydney. Welcome, like, you know. welcome back to summer. <laughs> Good on you, Speak soon, Gerard. Gerard Waitley there as we look back at uh, the series against Pakistan and look forward to just who's going to open the batting for Australia, starting with this next series with the West Indies. You can let us know. one 736 736 40 wings temper 433 16 Your thoughts. You're listening to Mornings for Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on right now.